Thank you, Pastor Sean, and good morning, church. Are you there? Okay, I can hear that. Going to get back into where we left up last week. We were talking about one story, one scripture, and one savior. We're going to spend some time to look back at what were some of the things we talked about in this one story, one scripture, one savior. What does it do for us? And then we'll talk about, in his own words, what did the savior himself say about the scriptures? We're going to be looking at his own words. Then we'll look at the entire Bible is one story and how every book in the Bible is the story of Jesus. You can find Jesus in every story of the Bible. And every book, every key story will do that. Then we'll come to a place where, what were some of the words that Jesus said that this scripture that he has given to us is fully fulfilled in him alone? And there'll be some action steps will call us to whether you've come to know Christ or you're sick in him, you're in the right place, whether in person or online, you're just checking us out. And those of us who have gazillion copies of Bible in our house, what are we doing about it and what needs to be done? But here are some statements. That any one of these statements may appeal to you currently or in the past, or someone we know. So let's take a look at some of these scriptures, that are the statements that we have here. I try to read the Bible, but I never make it all the way through. I can testify to that there sometimes, and I hope some of you. I know some Bible stories, but I don't know how all the pieces fit together. Think about that. One story, one scripture. What, how does it come together? It is boring and irrelevant to me. It depends on what you're reading. We're going to see that this book is alive, is active, is there in life. Never boring. Honestly, I really don't know much about the Bible. You're in a good place. That is what we're together for, to be able to get these um, stories that we can put it together. And finally, who has time to read the Bible anymore? Well, it would depend. Many other things may be occupying your life and time, so you come to the place where you say, I don't have time. This is the book that we need to make time to read. Let's look back what we talked about last week. We, we started by talking in the Bible one story. It's everything we have is not a pieces of story. That in the one story, the big picture, the meta narrative of the Bible is that a loving God created the world. And we see the beauty in creation in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. We see creation was there. God created and he said it was good and he gave us a mandate. He said, go and multiply and increase on the earth. So we have a, a matching orders right from the beginning of the book. Chapter 3, the fall comes. So creation, the fall is disobedience. The fall is sin. Did not do what God had spoken to be done. So God in his love, creation, for immediately there was redemption. We read in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that God wanted us to get back to him. 
God was not just leaving us there. And throughout the rest of the Bible, the story of redemption unfolds. The story, every book in the Bible, God was wanting us to, to get back to him. We keep going away from him, but God in redemption was bringing us back to him. And that's where restoration will start, and restoration will be forever. What a great book we have, the Bible. We went on to talk also last week about there's a place that we can see in all scripture, but we focused on 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul was talking to this pastor, to this young man, and he was telling him what the scripture, the origin of the scripture, and what the Bible has done for him, and what it can do for us. So let's review that scripture quickly in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we start from verse 16, where it said, but as for you, Timothy, this young man, we are convinced what you learn from your parents, you know, from infancy, verse 15, how you have known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise for salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Because Timothy's mother and grandmother spent time teaching him elementary basics, he came to know Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Faith and Timothy was there. But then Paul went on to say, let me tell you about this book. And the same it says to all. All scripture is God's breath and is useful for, for. So God is the one who has spoken in this book. God is the one who directed 40 different authors, 66 books. God spoke what he wanted them to write. So God has spoken. And what is this book for? What is this Bible or any form you read it? whether you read it on your phone or your version or, you know, Bible apps or you're doing Bible study. The goal is that if you are reading the scripture, it is going to bring sound teaching. So it's for teaching that it will show us how to go against false doctrine and it will be all truth, science, archaeology, business, politics. They don't prove the Bible the Bible proves them because all of them are here. We'll see some today. So all teaching for life, all truth is God's truth, comes from the scripture. For rebuke, the Bible is like a mirror. We hold it, we read something, it shows us what is not right in our lives, and it can tell us what we need to correct, what sin we've committed, and how we can be in restoration by correction. The Bible is the book that we show. It's not a self-help book. It's not. It is the book that is the word of God, how to live our life, how to be restored to God, and how to go on in life. And when you want to grow in your Christian life, when you want to mature, you want to be able to face against all odds, then you should be a person of the book. Against the odds of different things we see, get to the Bible. That's where we mature and grow. We're not just, you know, uh, 60 minutes in church and just, no, we should be people all the time. Reading this book, it will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from this book. Maturity and growth comes from, we're not just lukewarm Christians, Sunday Christians, cultural Christians, because somebody told me, no, I found it in the book. The reason for that is so that the servant of God, the Christian, the man of God, will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's what we see in the Bible here. So this is what we talked about last week, the origin and the fulfillment that the scripture brings to us. Today we're going to read a couple of, mainly the context of the two main scriptures we're going to read. This is the context. 
Jesus gathered people. He was always teaching. He was always rebuking. He was always correcting. So he had gathered with some people out there in Galilee. Jesus spent a lot of time in Galilee. 80% of his time was spending in the region of Galilee with the non-Christians, the people who were not there, but he, he was teaching. So right up from the Sea of Galilee, right there, it's like an amphitheater, a wonderful place to teach. They didn't have microphones, but his voice we carry. So he had gathered over there, and he, what we read in Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, we refer that to the Sermon on the Mount, because it was on the Mount it was spoken. And there you can start off reading the Beatitudes and all of that. So we're going to read what Jesus said about this book. We're going to read a section of the Sermon on the Mount what Jesus said about the Bible that he has. And then we'll also go quickly to the end of his time after he died, he was buried, he rose again, he was hanging out with a group of his disciples, and then later on he was on the road with two guys, and they were talking, and they thought this guy did not know the scripture. And Jesus also showed them what the scripture is about and how it is fulfilled in his name. So those are the two contexts of the of the Matthew passage you'll be reading now, also the John is in the same context, and then the, the Matthew one, the Luke one he read. So let's start off by reading the Matthew chapter 5, and our access, please, can we stand in honor of the word of God as we read Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these things these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now we'll go to the passage that is from the book of John. Also, we read what John wrote. And John 5, 37. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one who sent me. You study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. And now the passage that we'll end with is in the book of Luke. Jesus speaking in his own words to these people along the road. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their eyes so that they could understand the scriptures. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we now ask you that the power of your Holy Spirit 
We come and take your written word that the power in this world will give us understanding and we bring obedience to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. The Bible is inspired by God. The Bible is the authority. The Bible is above every culture, every creed, everything that mankind has written. The Bible is above that. The Bible is absolute for our lives. We can dig into it. The Bible gives us life. But against all odds, continues with the Bible today. So let me tell you a story about the man. He's, he gave himself the name Voltaire. He was a French philosopher in, in, um, in, in France. He had studied, he said he knew about God, but Voltaire, what he knew about God was different from because he started to go against the Bible. And these are some of the, he made his own predictions about this book in the 1700s. Imagine that, we're here, 21st century. Voltaire said, this book, when I die in 50 years' time, there'll be, in 100 years' time, there'll be no more Bible. This book will be gone. That was what he said, because people believe everything he, he was saying. He said that. He also said it took 12 people to follow Jesus and to talk about the Bible, but it would take one man named Voltaire to destroy the Bible. Those were his predictions about this book. He died, and his house was auctioned that he had sitting down there to write all these predictions. 58 years after his death, that house became the headquarters, the center of the Bible Society in Geneva. And right in that house, people started to write more Bibles, produce Bibles, give Bible tracts. Against all odds, the Word of God stands forever. Nothing, not one, like Jesus said, one list of these will ever, will ever be destroyed. So what I want to do in the first part of this is to just give us some of the stories that we should desire for this Bible. So I'm going to give you like a story time. Let's start with, God gave us some other words in the Bible, but some of you are very familiar with. There was this man, his name was Moses, and God's people were suffering. They were in bondage. They were, they were struggling. And God spoke to Moses and said, take my people, go to Pharaoh, let my people go. The oppression they were facing, the only way they were going to get free from oppression is to turn their hearts to God. And what God gave to, to Moses with all the encounters, is like, you talk about everything we face today, Moses faced it. People didn't even like his wife because she was from another origin or tribe or all of that. So you talk about racism, you talk about culture, God said, that's not what is going to solve the problem. So in Exodus chapter 20, God gave word to Moses. And that's what some of us, we grew up on, we memorized it, we studied him. God gave Moses what we call the Ten Commandments. And that was basically, how can mankind live with God vertically? How can I live with God? What are the ways that there'll be nothing else in my life except knowing God, the ultimate desire of man? But also, how do I live with mankind? So vertical and horizontal are all in what we, we read in the, in the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. Where Jesus, we just read, said, these words that I gave Moses, the prophets, it's not going to go away. So what did Jesus, what was in his own words about the Ten Commandments? What did he say? 
So we come to Matthew chapter 22. Let's see what Jesus had to say about this. That Jesus himself started to give the words that to say, what Moses wrote applies to me, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the King. So in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, and it reads, it's giving us the context because this lawyer, this Pharisee, they wanted to know what Jesus was, had to say about the book. This is what Jesus said. Matthew 22, verse 17. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So Jesus in his own words is saying, whatever was in the Old Testament, I live for that. I can testify to that message that is written out. Do we see in his own words, one scripture, one savior, one story is right there. Story number two. This is one of the favorite people in the Bible. He's called the friend of God. And we see that some people like him, some people hate him. But he was one of the greatest fighters. He was a warrior. He started not only in what he was doing for his dad, his family business, but we see that David even killed Goliath. Warrior, champion, that was David. And David also, we see that he was a man who really was in the world. He was connected with God. He wrote many of the songs and the Psalms. You want to find songs to sing? Look at David. Before we, we came out this morning, we were praying about, you know, when we sing these songs, when we are in worship, all that is doing is exalting and glorifying God, but also whatever our odds and obstacles in life, worship of God takes it out. You read David in the Psalms, you know, he talks about lament. I mean, he talks about people being in deep depression, in darkness. So dark days have come. But David was his focus on the Lord is my shepherd. So David acknowledged God as the only one that he can, he can trust. David also wrote, if you want to see the many words about the Bible, about the scripture, you read Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, where it talks about the word is a command, it's a statutes. You know, it is everything it is. You will see the different words used. But David also wrote in Psalm 19 in verse 7, uh, where he talks about, I desire this word. What does it do? How it changes me. So David has a lot to say about the scripture. That word of God is what brings transformation. David says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can you really know what's right in your life? By living according to your word. Psalm, Psalm 119 verse 11 and verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Where do you seek guidance? You seek guidance in the word. You know, there are many things we consider sometimes that we are going to be able to change. Do you know that the Bible talks about what we call uh, social reformation and spiritual transformation? You know, all the, the social reformations, we talk about it. Let me name some of those that we're all familiar. You talk about racism. You talk about politics. You talk about uh, compassion. You talk about justice issues. All were dealt in, in the Bible. But it was not the social 
uh, reformation that really brought life to the people, but it was the spiritual transformation. Let me tell the story number three in the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. So if you read Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, all of those were people who were taken out of their land, the injustice that was upon them, their race, they were not thinking about them, they were going to wipe them out. And so Nehemiah now is in Susa. He has a job, he's in what we may call the hospitality industry, he's living in a palace with a king that was not even a believer, was suppressing him. He got word from his people, Nehemiah chapter 1, said, man, everything is down. The walls of of Jerusalem are broken down. The people are in misery. Nehemiah, we read in chapter 1, he sat down, he wept, he prayed, he fasted. Then he said, God, if you call me to go back home, I'm going to bring social, uh, uh, reformation. I'm going to change things. God sent him back to come back to Jerusalem. He marshaled the troops. He got all the families and friends, and they built the wall of Jerusalem. Ha! Good accomplishment. We've got social reform now. It's all good. But that did not solve the problem. Until Ezra, so when you read Nehemiah chapter 8 and 9, until Ezra came... What brought about the real transformation of the people was when Ezra came back. You read in chapter 8, Ezra came back to his people. And the only way their lives are going to be complete, fulfilled, where they were going to have orthodoxy and vibrancy, was when Ezra started to read the word. They spent a whole week as he read the word. It brought conviction. The people were crying. They were weeping. They were fasting and praying. Only the word of God brings absolute transformation and change. Why are we not desirous of reading this book that brings all transformation in our lives? And then the third story is that we read the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is sometimes referred to as the fifth gospel. The reason is that everything about the Messiah, the story, it's all found in the book of Isaiah. You will read about the promise of him that was coming in Advent, We read those verses that talk about a child will be born and he will come, he will leave, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. That is the gospel you see in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, chapter 11, and from 45 to 55. All of those are the stories that tell us about the suffering servant, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we'll be looking at how Jesus himself said what this book was about that Isaiah was talking about. Do we get it that this Bible, one scripture, one story, one savior? Let me just whet your appetite where you can see that every book in the Bible is about the Messiah. Every story has the gospel, the good news. You start in the book of Genesis, the seed of the woman. He was the breath of life. Jesus brought life. In Exodus, he was our Passover lamb that was slain to give us. In Leviticus, the high priest. In the book of Deuteronomy, the fulfillment of the law. In, in the book of Joshua, the mighty warrior, the captain of our salvation. In First and Second Samuel, the prophet of the Lord. Also we see in the book of Ezra, the faithful scribe. In the book of Psalms, the good shepherd. In Ecclesiastes, 
the seasons and time and the meaning of life. In the book of Isaiah, the Prince of Peace, Jeremiah, the righteous and the weeping prophet. In the book of Daniel, the fourth man in the fiery furnace with his friends. In Hosea, the faithful bridegroom, the husband. In the, in the book of Amos, the burden bearer. In the book of Habakkuk, the great evangelist, the crying for revival. And it goes on. And the book of Malachi, the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ in the scriptures. Do we see him in all of the books of the Bible? In the Gospels, we come to the New Testament. And in the Gospels, it says the king, the servant, the son of man, the son of God. And in the book of Acts, we see what the reason Jesus was doing in the church as the Holy Spirit was moving. In the book of Romans, he's the justifier, the righteous one, the ones that bring grace to us. In the book of Galatians, the giver of freedom forever and ever. In the book of Timothy, the great pastor, the high priest. In the book of Hebrews, the blood that washes away our sins, and the book of James, the sustainer, the great physician, and the book of First and Second John, the, ever, the everlasting love, the one that restores us to Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the soon coming king. Do you read his word? Do you come to this word and say, I have only one king? I have only one leader. And that is Jesus. If Jesus is your king, he's your master. No king or not, no man on the face of the planet is going to take us away from him. Do we belong to him? Let's see what Jesus himself, when he came about the time, when he got on earth, what did he say about the Bible? Jesus is born in, in Jerusalem. He goes up to Nazareth. Nazareth was just a small town. Today you go to Nazareth, it's a completely different town. But in the, in the city of Nazareth, Jesus goes into the temple and they bring out the scroll for him to read. And as he takes the scroll, he reads. I'm, now in, I'm going to go with you in the book of Luke chapter, Matthew chapter 4. And what we see Jesus, we conclude our time here with just a, a brief teaching that Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 4, before he read the scripture, I'll back up a little bit, Jesus is tempted. You think you face temptation today? in family and friends, he's tempted. And the book of, of Matthew, we read that all three temptations he faced, he always went, it is written. It is written to Satan. When Satan tempts you, somebody used to tell us when we were being disciples, when Satan knocks at the door with temptation, send Jesus to the door. You find out what will happen. Because Jesus, we always say, it is written, even in his own temptation. This is what he said. He said, it is written, you shall not you should not tempt the Lord your God. It is written, it is written, it is written. But let me take you to still in the book of, of I'm sorry, I was, I was going to be in the book of Luke, not Matthew chapter 4. Get excited about this, then we keep going. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, that's where it says, I keep saying Matthew, I just love Matthew. It's in the book of Luke chapter 4. Verse 4, it is written, man shall not, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Worship the Lord God only. Only the scripture can keep you from sin. Do we read it? And when Jesus finally called for the scroll, when they gave it to him, let us hear in his own words what he says about the Bible. He says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he had anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressors free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. 
Then he said, when he handed the book back, Jesus said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, we at Northland or anywhere you are worshiping, Jesus is the fulfillment of the scripture. Every story in the Bible is about him. Do you read this word? Do you meditate upon it? Do you, do you just think about it when you face life circumstances? Do you want to go, what does God say, thus yet the Lord? Or do you find other selves? This is not a self-help book. It's not. This is the book of life. All truth is God's truth. So let's be people of the book. May 2021 be the year that we know God's word. It is not how much you go through the Bible, it's how much the Bible goes through you. So seek the Lord, his word. Read it, whether on your phone, on your iPad, or wherever, we'll, we'll give you some action points. But this is our call to action, what we should do. Let me tell you the story. How many of you have your Bible like mine here? It's in red, the red letter edition, you know? Let me see by the way. Yeah, you have it in red, huh? That's inspired, by the way. But it was not always in red. In 1899, there was a man who had passion for, for Jesus. He was a businessman. He was a newspaper editor in Chicago. And he went to his mentor and said, I just read in Matthew chapter 20, verse 22, that the, 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 the blood of the new covenant gives me life. And he said, life is in this book by the words of Jesus. What if I take all the words of Jesus in the Bible and put it in red? And Louis Cloche did that. 1899, Louis Cloche, he sat down in his own business and wrote everything, every word of Jesus in red. And you and I, we still have it today. How are you going to let the word of God change our lives today? As we go into prayer, I want us to make some commitments today. Every service we should, we call for the gospel, people to know that God loves them, Jesus died for them, and they are sinners, and if you trust him, you will get saved. Maybe that is for you today, wherever you are joining us. You want to have Jesus as your trusted friend, then you will hear him talking to you. So you want to pray that prayer. But someone else, your prayer will be, Lord Jesus, eh, I'm just a casual Christian, not reading your word. Read this book. This book will give us life. Or maybe you still like Voltaire, you are doubting the Bible. You don't have to be the Christian to read the Bible. Start reading it now. So can we bow and pray whatever will be your commitment in whatever room you gathered, you're going to be committed to the word of life. Pray with me. Father, this is the bread of life that we can feed on and never thirst again. Father, this is the word that we change. So right now, a man, a woman, a group of people, wherever they are gathered, someone wants to say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but you love me. I accept that. And Lord Jesus, I want to trust you. I want you to change me. I receive and I trust you as my savior. Come into my heart and let me desire your word. Father, for myself and my brothers and sisters who have Bibles and we read them, help us to be people of the book that we can always go to the scriptures to transform our lives. Father, I pray that wherever we are, whatever form, we want to know that our faith will transform us. And I pray for those who doubt, who question, who are confused. 
may they read the book that is the book of life and you will bring life that is life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship the wonderful one.